You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, my Vox and Hops heads? Uh, here I am back, another episode, another week. Here we go. I just came back from uh, one of the final rehearsals for the upcoming Cryptopsy tour. For those of you that don't know, Cryptopsy is leaving on tour next week. We are going to be touring the States and a little bit of uh, Quebec uh, and Ontario up here in Canada. Uh, This time around on tour, we're going back out with the mighty aborted, it's going to be aborted, Cryptopsy, benighted hideous divinity and we're going all across the states and as i said just a little bit of canada i wish we were getting more of canada i love playing canada the fans are amazing and i've i'm always disappointed when i see a routing that excludes uh, a big part of my country and i know that there's a bunch of metalheads out there so any of you guys that are listening uh, we want to go there we want to be there and uh we will eventually make our way out towards you to uh bring uh, the extreme music uh towards you guys uh um, you guys got to get your tickets for this uh, Blast Beat Party, the Hell Over North America, which is coming up uh, in a week. Next Thursday, this all starts in Detroit. So I'm going to put the link in the description for all the tickets for the upcoming tour. My beer of the week is also included in my pairing of the week, and I had to include it. I saw it coming out. Two of my favorite local breweries did a collaboration, and uh, when I saw this announcement that this was going to happen, I was extremely excited, so... The two breweries are uh, Micro Brasserie Vox Populi and Brasserie du Bas Canada, and they released an Imperial New England IPA, and it's called Nightcaller. Let me tell you a little about this beer. It's 11% ABV. It's got a 50 IBU. This beer, you pour it out. It has a beautiful, beautiful color. It's, uh, it's not as hazy as a New England IPA normally is, so I'm a little bit disappointed on that end, but that's where the disappointment ends <laughs> for me on this beer. I really was impressed. Uh, the nose is just super, super tropical, fruity, uh, delicious, just, just mouth-watering, uh, citrusy f- smells. And then when you take your first sip, it's it, you're not disappointed. It falls right into that, the tropical, the citrusy, the waves of flavor coming in. And then right at the end, you get nailed with an extremely boozy finish because it's 11% ABV. It's a heavy, heavy beer. It gets um, distributed in small cans luckily and uh you got to be careful with this beer because it is a it will sneak up on you and it will really really do some damage you sort of have to approach it like like a glass of wine in that mindset because uh, if you buy a four pack of this and you go through it in the night it's your night's gonna be over rather quickly hence why it's called the night caller i think Uh, the album that i would like to pair with this beer is uh carpenter brutes leather teeth which came out in 2018. It was on my top 10 album of the years of uh, 2018. Uh, you're saying, oh, another synth wave album, Matt. Uh, you know, where's the death metal? I don't know. I try. I something about this beer. It might have a lot to do with the the branding that they've used on the can. It just sort of just totally fit into the synth wave. The this Carpenter Brute album, which has uh, you know some hooky, catchy uplifting moments uh, infectious beats and grooves uh i just kept uh, trying to think of another album that i could pair with this beer because i really wanted to use it for the pairing and there's nothing more that came to mind except for this carpenter brute leather teeth album so the album and the beer that i put together is micro brasserie's vox populi and brasserie ziba canada's night caller with carpenter brute's leather teeth today on the podcast i went to one of my favorite brew pubs Brasserie Harikana, and I had the chance to sit down with J.F. Michaud. 
JF Michaud is uh, one of the main people involved at Eventco. Eventco is the biggest the concert promoter here in Montreal. He's involved with over 500 shows a year, and he's extremely involved with the production size, the booking of Heavy Montreal, or Heavy Montreal, which is uh, one of the biggest festivals for heavy rock and metal music in North America. Um, so check out our conversation where we talk a lot about the festival, a lot about beer, and a lot about life. So uh, all that and more coming up right now on Vox and Hops, episode number 24. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Today, I am live with JF Michaud at Brasserie Harry Canada. Buongiorno. Thanks for coming and uh, talking to me on Vox and Hops. Tell everyone a little about yourself. Uh, who are you? What do you do in the music scene? Um, my name is uh, Jean-François Michaud. People call me JF. Um, I've been uh, working in music in Montreal ever since I was 17. Um, I'm much older now. <laughs> I like uh, rock music. I like fast music. I grew up in punk. I uh, I got I started bathing into metal about. 10, 12 years ago, and I've been doing a lot of that since. I currently work at Ivanko, uh, trying to bring the best metal bands and rock bands in Montreal, including uh, Heavy Montreal 77 Music Festival. I, I probably work on 500 different shows a year, and uh, I, li- I like music. 500 shows a year, that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Were you ever a musician? Uh, for about 20 minutes <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, I, I grew up listening to Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins, and I, I wanted to get a guitar, and I wanted to learn how to play guitar. I wasn't really good at it, and I, I, I was in a high school, like, like not a showcase, but I did a battle, uh, did a, a talent show at school with 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 a couple friends, and we and we played a like a, a few songs like No Effects and stuff like that. And that was we did one show at school and one show on a on a on a street fair a, a month later, and then. We we weren't that good. We had a, we had a good time, but I we weren't really talented at all. But and then I but I quickly realized how I was still interested by uh, concerts, by the world of music. And within a year of me playing that talent show at school, I was booking my first show at Lex. Really? Yeah. And how did that all come about? When did you realize that this is something you could do? Um, I think I started going to see shows, like small uh, local shows, and I realized that the people that were organizing the shows were not, you know, they were, you could talk to them, you could become friends with them, and I became friends with the, with the guys at Lex, the, with the guys at, at Greenland, like Paj and Nancy, and uh, I kind of offered my help, say, hey, I'd love to... Uh, um, what you guys do sounds pretty cool. I, I'd love to help. I'd love to be involved. I think like anybody that grows up in punk or metal, they just want to be part of a scene. They want to be involved. And I offered my help, and I I started working. Uh, I started building a concert f- with local bands that I liked, and. Uh, 
you know, I think I slowly but surely I became friends with people. I started working on, on shows, offering my help, not really getting money, just doing it for fun. And eventually it worked out pretty well. Do you remember the first show where you actually made money? Yeah, it was like the first show I did. <laughs> like, I, And I was so proud of myself. I don't know how much money. Maybe I made like $80 or but something. But still, but still, you know, it's... it's Yeah, it was the first show I ever did. But I took it super seriously. Like I had, I had one of my best friends building a flyer for the show and I handpicked bands and... And, and back then, I, I, I was already like really into like marketing, and I, like like when I grew up, when I was seven, I was I, I was growing up. And my parents were saying, "Oh, this this kid is going to be a salesman. He's going to be a marketer or something." <laughs> so I was I I, I I I always took this seriously. And I think the first show I ever did, like my dad showed up, and it was like 275 people or uh, people at Lex for a local show, and he was really impressed, and I was really impressed too. So I probably made like you know 80 bucks on that show, but it, it was. It was really special. This beer looks amazing. Oh, the color's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So we just got a a delicious, beautiful beer brought to us, which is the Berliner Weiss Ofri, a fruit Berliner Weiss. And they're calling it a uh, an acidity, uh, acidity, acidity. Does that work? An ale with cassis, griot, emur. So there's blackberries, cassis. It looks amazing. Yeah, it looks amazing. Cheers. Cheers. Smells good. Smells uh, fruity, sour, um, acidy. It's not too strong. Oh, it's really good, yeah. Yeah. But the acidity is definitely there. Yeah, it's sour. It's uh, still very smooth. Um, Fruity, obviously. Uh, The color is beautiful. It's um, like a grapefruit pink. It's a really, really nice beer. We are uh, Brassity Hadikana never makes normal beers. <laughs> I've never had a normal beer here. Yeah, they definitely don't follow trends. Uh, I've said it a lot on the podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of this place, and they're always very uh, welcoming when I come here. I would say the mythical venue, Lex. Do you yeah. have any other venues in your mind which have closed down, defunct venues that you missed from Montreal? Yeah, like uh, like the first the, the first show I ever worked with with Greenland or Evenco now is uh, was Rainbow. Mm. I got paid ten dollars to help bands <laughs> load into a show. Yeah, but the stairs sucked there. Yeah, that's why they pay me the big bucks to do the load in. Uh, I've seen some fantastic shows there. Remember a show that was? I think the show was. Atreyu, Poison the Well, 18 Visions, Lamb of God, and, and there was a there was another headliner on top of it. It was like it was a hate breed. No, it wasn't hate breed. Yeah. And the circle pit that, around the pole there. I think that's the show. Man, the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a, many, a bunch of shows there. Um, when I was in, in Sejep, I was selling merch at venues. I worked at, at um, Metropolis uh, Club Soda and Spectrum. Spectrum would probably be the one room that everybody in Montreal is kind of sad that it, it closed down. It was it was probably the nicest venue that ever existed in Montreal. There, there, there was soul in there. Like, that's like that's where the police played the first time the play came to Montreal. Really? I did not know that. I had the chance to play there, so I'm happy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, nice. three-mile screen back in the day. Open for Soulfly. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw Joe Strummer. Um, there a few months before he passed away. Really, I saw a Damage Plan before. Uh, That's uh, true. That show came through there. I, th- I think that was a, a week before everything went down with him. 
That's true. I played that club in uh, where Dimebag was shot. There's no a whole way. bunch of uh, shit written on the back. Before or after? after? Afterwards, of course, yeah. Okay, is, yeah. is that room still open? It's still open. They still do shows there. I did one um, like 13 months ago. Yeah. Is there a statue or? No, but there's like this, uh, there should be. There's like spray paint uh, graffiti in the back, like R.I.P. Dime and uh, yeah. You mentioned that you were with uh, Dave Boucher, part of Extensive Enterprise. How did you get into that, From the, going from the local shows into that? Well, I, well, I was doing sh- local shows, and I was having a fun time. And, and in Stage App, I was, I was selling T-shirts uh, at venues and stuff. And I, was just, I, I, was, I went to university in the meantime to do uh, communication, marketing, and advertisement. And uh, while there, I applied for... Uh, for a low-paying job at Universal Music to do rock marketing. I actually had a business card that says, JF Show Rock Marketing. <laughs> and my job was to you know, drop off CDs at, radios, uh, at campus radios to get airplays and, and put up posters for the new... Uh, I, I worked for like bands like Nine Inch Nails and Weezer and, and Children of Bodom and Nightwish kind of stuff. Like Universal by then was distributing Metal Blade and Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where... I got to know like Steph Metal at BCI a bit better, and I started I started getting a bit more into the into the metal scene, and that was yeah, that's probably 15 years ago. And so I worked for four years at Universal Music, and then uh, I, w- I was in the rock marketing department, and people stopped buying CDs, so my so the department that I was working on closed, and and by then I had started doing a couple of shows here and there with Boucher, and uh, I remember we had a show. At uh, at Club Lambie on Saint Laurent that night, and my wife brought me a, a bouquet of flowers, saying, "Hey, it's sorry you lost uh, sorry you lost your job. Uh, hope you find something better." And then and and that day that night we were have I think we had poison the well at uh, Lambie, and I told Boucher, "You know what? I uh, um, I I'm, I'm not gonna apply for another job. Let's try to do this full time." Back then, Dave was still working at HMV. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So the both of us had a, had a side job because we were just doing like maybe ten shows a year, and then from that point on, on we're like, all right, let's get serious into this. Let's let's try to do like fifty, seventy-five shows a year, and then within two years, that's exactly what we did. And he was saying, if it's like ten years ago, he was saying it was around eight or nine years ago that he quit his job and just focused purely on. It's funny how these these two stories align yeah, because so, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so do you think your involvement and the marketing back? Background help bring extensive up from where it was before. I think Dave uh, always has and still has like some fantastic values, and I think that he he loves the music. I think that he loves the scene and he loves the um, the aura around show business and uh, the show business of metal. But uh, but uh, be, beyond everything, he he's a great friend, and he he he, he created amazing friendships with everybody in the scene and and, and all the bands that he work with. So um, I kind of came in and say, here's all my here's here's a million marketing ideas. Let's try to take your your ideas and let's take them to the next level. And it worked extremely well. That's when Facebook started. So within, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. within three months we were we had built a, a network of literally every single metal kids in the city uh, we were able to reach them really quickly with metal shows and so we went really quickly from doing like 10-15 shows a year to 
75 kind of thing. And the kids were responsive. Everybody was starting a new band. And we and that's, that's around the, like the, the detox stores were like super supportive of what we were doing. And then all of a sudden we were able to, to create uh, showcases for, for, for new bands. And within those three years, um, there's probably like a hundred metal bands that started in the Montreal region. Those were like the golden years of uh, of despised icons selling out uh, two uh, uh, two club sodas, uh, Parkway Drive, Bring Me the Horizon, and A Day to Remember selling out Metropolis, and uh, yeah, those were definitely the golden years in my in my mind. Do you think that it all coincides also with the fact that BCI was no longer around at that point? That you got to do more shows because there was a promoter missing. Yes and no. I think that by then Steph had moved. He was transitioning into being an agent. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I think that the, Dave had kind of picked up the the, the beginning uh, of a, of a new scene, like metalcore and deathcore, and and, and the whole. The whole scene of uh, metal bands on, on Warp Tour, yeah. which, which was not necessarily the the generation of uh, of Steph. And so yeah, we we did end up doing a few uh, metal shows that that BCI had done in the past, but they were transitioning into something else, and uh, I think it, the whole thing kind of happened kind of naturally. And uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any animosity between. No, no, I wasn't saying anybody. it as, as an animosity, just the. The, the timeline of it being 10 years you started Dave quit his job you guys started getting serious you got you went from doing 15 metal shows a year to doing 50 because there's more bands available to do shows in town because there's a booker missing well there was definitely yeah. a, I, I would say it was mostly new bands okay I, I think there was, there was a massive scene that came up in what like 2007 to 2009 like, like all, all these bands that are still massive today like Born of Osiris and yeah. and The Faceless and uh, it's all bands that all came you know, from that started at Lanco with yeah. Dave and now are building up building up building up until and eventually bands that grew up listening to Despised Icon Cryptopsy Beneath the Massacre and Ion Dissonance and starting new bands that's right putting on yeah. tighter clothes and uh, and like bands like Bring Me the Horizon who kind of blows my mind how big they, they got even like towards like like young teenage girls mm-hmm. just because they were dressed differently they had shorter hair and uh, it was bigger stretches in their ears yeah it's kind of yeah, yeah. it's kind of different scene and it's the the evolution of uh, and it, it, it's great that metal evolved into this and there's I think the scene uh, uh, that came out in the uh, in the 90s and the early 2000s still exists like festivals like like Lack and, and Hellfest are are still uh, uh, doing extremely well but then there was a new generation of kids that say hey this is this we also like metal but we're not uh, we're we're different generation we do things differently and it, it's kind of cool how in I think in, in Montreal those two scenes were were a little bit uh, separated into two for, for a long time because yeah there were there were, there were two different promoters that were doing the the old and and, and the young, but I think everywhere else in the uh, around the world, all those scenes have kind of just merged. meld together. Yeah. 
When did your transition to Eventco occur and how did that come about? So in, in 2011, um, things were going great, uh, not extensive, um, but I, I was kind of like ready to, to try new stuff. I wanted to, I wanted to continue uh, booking uh, punk and metal shows, but I wanted to, I, I wanted to work on festivals. I wanted to, I, I, I wanted to travel. I wanted to, I, I wanted to work on new things. And uh, I had really great relationships with everybody at Ivanko. I had been uh, working with them, you know, lifting boxes and folding wires for, for 10 years. And I, and I kind of went to them and said, hey, I'd really like to... Uh, I'd really like to try new things with you guys. And uh, within a month and a half, um, I started working on Eventco. For people that don't know, Eventco is probably the biggest booker in Montreal. As you said, they put on 500 shows a year. It's just insane. Um, yeah, Eventco is, the, is, is, is probably the biggest concert promoter in Montreal. Um, and the company is independent. Uh, it's, it's Montreal owned. So, uh, compared to other bigger promoters uh, around the world, there's 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 still a very local aspect to our company. Like the owner of our company uh, has an office, uh, you know, 50 meters away from my desk. You can just get up and walk over and ask him questions, yeah. not wait for a response. What is the show that you are most proud of? You know what? Um, now. That- now that we're still talking about my early days, uh, the first time that, that I, I booked a show with Dave at Metropolis with uh, with uh, um, with a day to remember, the show was sold out. My parents came to the show, and I took them on, on to in, in the lodge on the second floor at Metropolis. And my my dad was like head, head banging to August Burns Red, and my mom was like, "Oh my God, the girls are gonna." The girls in the pit are gonna get hurt, and, and for me that was a really special moment that we, we had we had gone from you know two dudes with uh, with day jobs booking shows to booking a, a sold out show at uh, at Metropolis. Like the next time I saw my parents, my dad gave me a bouquet of flowers. And said, really, I'm really proud of you, son. I'm like, wow, I made it. That's it's awesome. An, it's an iconic room. Um, it still is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many great shows there. It's called M Telus now. Uh, for for people that are uh, of the new generation, um, it's still a great room. There's there's amazing shows there almost every night. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what was the show that was the biggest flop? Man, that's a good question. Uh, I, I worked on a show with man. There's, there's, there's shows sometimes that you just expect them to do something, and and and, and it's, we don't get the same amount of people coming to the show. I I, I, I don't want to name anybody. No, no, of course, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. just mean for it's it's mean for the artist, but it it happens every once in a while. You know, I think for the most part we're able to to to, to put the the right bands in the right room at the right time, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Eh? It could just or be circumstance. It could be another show happening that night. Just throws exactly. everything off a festival. Uh, are you exclusively involved with booking metal shows and rock shows and har- punk? Do you do? Are you involved ever with like a pop artist that comes through? I work with literally everything. Next week alone, I booked a show with a with a Swedish artist called Robin. 
Okay. No, I don't know them. Yeah. Who's uh, a very famous uh, female pop star? My wife loves her. Um, yeah, I, I work. I I would say that I work mostly with rock music, but I touch a bit of everything. Like I, I'll, I'll even book uh, some odd hip hop shows every once in a while. Um, but I, I, you know, rock and roll, punk rock, and metal is is what I know best. Okay, and are you comfortable when you're involved with situations with these artists? Is it all the same when it comes down to doing the job, or do you have to like perform differently if it's a metal show versus a rap no, show? No, I say. think it's the same thing for everybody. I think when you work on smaller shows, there's a bit more of a contact, a direct contact with uh, with the artist or. Sometimes when you work on bigger shows, your only contact is someone that sort of works with someone that works with the artist. So sometimes there's a bit more misunderstanding. Like when you try to create something cool and then I find it's easier to create magic on smaller shows, on smaller level than try to... I try to go see Paul McCartney and say, I have this crazy idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, uh, let's transition to beer. Vox and Hobbs has a lot to do with beer. Um, are you a craft beer enthusiast? I certainly am. And especially so in the last two years. Like I've always been a supporter of uh, microbreweries. Okay. And in the last two years, I, I realized that what I really liked is sour beers, which I was... I think the, uh, it's definitely more popular now than it was five, six years ago. Oh, you're right. You're right on time for for the trend. That's for sure. It's always been big in Belgium, but uh, now over here in North America, it's definitely taken a big uh, upward swing in the past two years. I think I, maybe like I started getting into micros maybe ten years ago, and I was really into um, Belgium beers like like the Left, Les Bières d'Abbaye. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then eventually I sort of got slightly into IPAs because I think that's what everybody was talking about. And then the first time that I had a sour, I remember I was at a, I was a couple blocks away from here on a, on a terrace in the summer and, and someone had a had a pink beer. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was this exact same beer. <laughs> and I said, I have the same. So it's really sour. You might not like it. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm always down to try something new. And then I had it. I was like, oh, my God, this is... That's the kind of beers that I like. It was like a, that awakening moment. Yeah, I've been, I've been buying pretty much only that whenever <laughs> I can find it since. What is your favorite beer of the moment? When you go out, if you can go buy a beer, do you like go buy beer in stores? Um, I don't buy beers often, and when I do, I'll go to a specific place. I, I buy my beer and my wine the same way right now. I, I don't buy a lot of wine at the SAQ. I don't buy a lot of uh, beers at Depths. I'll, I'll go to like... Uh, uh, at Peluso or like very specific yeah, shout, shout out to Peluso yeah on Beaubien on Beaubien yeah, and there's another one on uh, Rachel Rachel you're right yeah that's the original one yeah I, I love going to both like I don't remember the last time that I bought a case of 24 actually I do it was two months ago because I bought a case <laughs> of non-alcoholic beer there you go um, but um, I'd rather buy five really great beers than buy a case of something else, and I'll so every once in a while I'll go buy expensive beers at Peluso and try uh, and and get four or five usually sour beers. Um, yeah, awesome. You're involved with Heavy MTL and 77 Fest. You said 
Uh, were you directly involved with the creation of the fest, or did you come in afterwards? I came in, I believe, three years into Heavy Montreal. Okay. Um, as, as far as 77, I, uh, I I was definitely part of the creation process. Although it was kind of a natural thing that was that was that was bound to happen between um, and, and Nick Farkas, uh, my boss at Ivenco, and the guys at Greenland and Nancy Paget and Dan Webster, who have essentially booked every single punk rock shows in Montreal, every punk and metal shows in Montreal for this, for about 25 years. And uh, we hadn't, uh, we had been wanting to have a, a punk rock festival for a long time, but Warp, Vans Warp Tour was still around, and we, we didn't really want to get into the whole, we didn't want to compete against Vans Warp Tour. And in the meantime, there was a bunch of other festivals that, that kind of, uh, that came out booking, uh, being very heavy on, on punk rock. But, and then three years ago, we kind of all got around and said, hey, we love punk rock. Let's do this. And I wasn't around when, when Heavy Montreal started, but I guess I'm sure it started a bit like that. I'm sure it started be- between a few guys from my team that says, you know what, we really like metal. Montreal is definitely a metal town. There's a bunch of metal bands coming from Montreal that are doing amazing. Uh, let's, let's try to build a festival. And I think the soul behind Heavy Montreal has always been to, to put together the, the highest quality a hard rock and metal festival with you know the best stages the best sound system the best setup for for fans of the city to to have the best setup to have a, an amazing weekend watching bands they love but also for 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 rock and metal fans from all over the world to come to Montreal and definitely discover the city on its best uh, best behavior I, I'm a huge fan of the whole festival, the the setup, the layout. I went last Me year. Me too. Is it going to stay in that area? No. Really? <laughs> I really the funny part I is, loved it. Like, yeah. the festival last year was in a site where that was probably never meant to have the festival on because the festivals have always been on Ile saint Hélène. And then for the last three years, uh, the city of Montreal has been renovating the site to, be, to, to, to make it like a, like a, like a, like a world-class level festival site. And in the meantime, we, we had the festival on Ile Notre-Dame, which is basically uh, an island that has a racetrack, a, racetrack, yeah. a casino, and, and, and the venue where I got married. <laughs> No way! You, yeah, got, yeah. you, got, you got married at Pavillon de Jamaïque? No, no, it's Canada. Nice! Where the backstage, I think the catering all was. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we had the festivals there for two years. And, uh, but it worked out super well. It was, there was something very intimate about it. And just, I, I think the production guys are happy that, that, that they're, we're, we're moving forward to a new site because uh, being in the middle of a, of a racetrack has uh, definitely a lot of production challenges because it's very narrow. Absolutely. Yeah. But the, you know, the new site is, is essentially the site where we had a heavy, heavy from, uh, from 2008 to 2015. Okay. Um, it's a massive site with with a bunch of uh, trees everywhere and it's been recently renovated and it's actually going to be the first uh, our first festivals there so we're definitely looking forward to to what should be a, a pretty fantastic uh, pretty pretty magical site I'm really excited about it I really like um, I think it's smart they use like the same site for multiple festivals I guess that was all calculated 
to you know save money and make money at the same time you know, they put on 77 at the same site they put on Il Sonic at the Il same Sonic, site Heavy Montreal yeah um, and Oceaga that's right which, that's is, right, which is enormous you know, yeah. uh, possibly the best festival yeah, in Canada the, big, the biggest yeah yeah that's the whole idea uh, yeah. the having having this, the stage set up on a site is make, makes it possible for us to to try many different festivals mm -hmm. and to to and to do something cool for everybody. Like there's a lot of cities uh, that will have one big festival w with basically everything music, mm -hmm. like it. the Blues Fests in Ottawa. Yeah, or uh, I was I, I was thinking uh, like Lollapalooza that kind of thing where they, they can have uh, they could have the Spice Girls and Metallica play on the same <laughs> weekend. Um, we're really lucky. Uh, in Montreal to be able to have uh, like a, a few weekends and yeah there's definitely people that like electronic music and metal and, and there's two yeah. different festivals for it which is which is really cool very lucky very lucky Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges creating of a festival of this size? On the booking side, it's, it's the availabilities of the bands. Yeah, there's, I can imagine that's a nightmare. Especially in, in metal, there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of European bands are are significantly bigger in Germany, and so the, we're in the middle of summer. There's obviously other festivals in Germany, so there's festivals. There's like it's insane how many festivals there are in Europe. Yeah, you you can tour and just play every weekend, and play at a different festival. There's like multiple festivals per weekend. It's insane. Yeah, and so that's 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 the main issue for us. But I, I think more and more bands, they they'll do one year in Europe, and then mm -hmm. and then the, the next year they'll they'll stay in North America. They'll do a handful of festivals. So it, it is possible for us to have access to. I also think that the, the festival's getting really big, heavy MTL, and it's on their radar now to come and play it. I think it was always. On the radar, people always knew it existed. Um, I think w we definitely have a reputation of taking amazing care of, of, of the artists and the fans. And I think beyond the, there's 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 a there's a festival of festivals going on in Canada right now, or in North America really. Where I think since since uh, Coachella started working really well in California, all of a sudden every city wants to have a, wants to have fest, a festival. Yeah. So and, and there's not that many like really big uh, rock or, or metal acts. So uh, there's a bit of competition with that. But um, one thing's for sure is that all the artists that come play the festival usually leave going, "Wow, the the food was amazing!" Like we have Chuck. Use, yes, you do. I was uh, going to mention that for possibly everyone. Yeah. Uh, the greatest chef in Montreal uh, doing catering, and the, the catering at, at our festivals is basically a bunch of the greatest chefs in the city all working together over a weekend. Like, like the uh, the pizza comes from the Adamo guys in, in Saint Henry. Um, uh, the pasta it comes from amazing Italian restaurant owners. Uh, the vegetarian food is made by chef dan geldner which is possibly the most underrated chef in the city i i i'm proud that you guys are doing this because i've played festivals i don't want i don't want to say out of respect to the festivals in case i play them again and the, the past it was horrible <laughs> it was it was it was really atrociously horrible and it was a big festival yeah yeah well that's i i have to say um the uh my my bosses were visionaries 
uh, Nick Farkas, Jacques Obey, and Daniel Glick were visionaries to say, hey, we're not the biggest city in the world, we're not the biggest festival in the world, but what we can do, we, we can be uh, the best hosts. We can have the best catering and we can take uh, amazing care of the artists and, and they're going to want to come back. Mm, and, smart. And, Very and, smart. And, and, and that's working. So the hardest part is booking bands comes into the terms of like bands like reorganizing their tour routings to fit in heavy falls into that nightmare. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's bands that there's still bands today that I've been trying to 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 book for seven years. Yeah, and are still not working. We got Clutch on the festival this year. Been trying to get Clutch for six years. <laughs> their schedule. I don't know what what's on what's making their schedule so so complex. But we're we're very happy that we were finally able to to get them this year. And and there's bands like. Um, like we, we would have liked to have Cryptopsy on the festival this summer. <laughs> it's going to happen again. We'll be back. We'll be back. We've done Promise. it twice. I, I'm, I'm always down. Yeah. <laughs> We're uh, recording this, right? <laughs> it's, it's recording. <laughs> what year's lineup is your favorite lineup, if you had to pick one? Last year. Yeah? Yeah. Um, obviously, our biggest year was the Metallica year in 2014, and that was, you know, the... Uh, the year they were sold out and that was that was massive there's people coming from all over the world how, how many people is a sold out heavy mtl a 40 or forty-five thousand. that's crazy it's yeah. massive yeah on, i remember that day i think there was more beer sold on the side of the festival than and the rest of the province combines unbelievable like there there's convenience stores that did not get a beer delivery the next week because there was no beer really yeah that's crazy did you guys have to stop serving alcohol because i know metallica has a clause or I've heard there's a clause where after a certain time before they're set there, no more beer can be served did that happen that day? I uh, I have no idea okay what I, all I remembered is is watching uh, watching the show towards the end looking at a sea of like 45 to 50,000 people going oh my god I'm I'm involved in this project and that's that's really cool. That was one of the peak moments in, in my career where I was like, wow, this is so cool. I'm glad that I'm doing this. It sounded amazing. I wasn't there because I got married that day. No way! And I was at the Canadian Pavilion, which is right on Il Notre Dame, which is right on the other side of the, f- the festival site. And all my dudes were super pissed at me because I'm get- I booked them on Heavy MTL's weekend and they had to come to my wedding and miss it. No way. So my friends sat outside in the little like patio area smoking cigarettes and drinking free beer and drinks listening to Metallica play on the other side of the river because you could hear it all from right there you should have hit us up we would have made sure that you and your friends can come <laughs> check out a couple songs oh, I will next time you could have shit. had your first dance <laughs> when I was saying my vows outside like our personal vows to each other Three Days Grace was playing I Hate Everything About You <laughs> you, you can't make this shit up you know <laughs> wow um if you can, uh, what year would you say is the worst lineup for your personal tastes? Well, I, 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 we didn't talk about my favorite year, which was which was last year. My favorite lineup was oh, actually true. last year. Last year, we had a bunch of bands that I've been trying to get for, for the longest time, like, like, like uh, Baroness. And, and a band that uh, we booked that nobody thought that we were actually going to pull off was uh, Emperor. 
because they hadn't been in Montreal in 19 years and nobody thought they were ever going to come and then we built a nice relationship with with their manager and uh, uh, their singer Hisham came to the festival three years ago and had a great time he, we, we, we took good care of him and he wanted to come back And he, it was his solo project that was here? yeah Hisham is a solo yes. project yeah. and they had a great time so you know what last year they, say, they said we're going to do three shows in the world this summer one of them is going to be Montreal Canada and for, for me that was I, I didn't even grow up listening to the band but for me it was a very special moment that we were able to, to pull this off and I think that was that's definitely my top three moments of the festival I've had friends uh, on the podcast and we've spoken about their favorite heavy MTL moment and it was that epic rainstorm wow you behind the scenes how close was it to being called and shutting the festival down before Emperor played? Or is that ever like an option? No, I don't think so. What I do remember is I... Um, so, right before they go on, I think Marilyn Manson's playing on the other stage and it starts raining. And uh, so... And then Marilyn Manson, I think, cut his set short. I don't remember exactly what happened. But I walked over to the backstage uh, to see... Uh, Just to, to see the, the show that was about to start, and uh, I get on stage, and their their manager comes see me and says, "This is what you get for booking black metal bands." <laughs> <laughs> and I started laughing, and I gave him a big hug and say, "Thanks for trusting our festival for one of one of three north uh, one of three shows in the world this summer." It was it was awesome. It was huge. All of my friends that I spoke to about it loved it. Yeah, that crazy crazy storm. It's great Insane. that after after ten years we're still able to to create magic moments. And there are still bands that that haven't been in the festival. And there are bands that and there are magic moments that we can still create with the festival. And that's what makes it good. Uh, you were asking what was the worst uh, festival? Yes, it's 2015. It was the year after Metallica, and we're like, hey, we 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 got now that we have the world's attention because we had Metallica last year. Let, let's try to put together a three-day festival so that people that that want to travel from Europe can have, you know, an extra day, and let, let's give the Montreal fans a, an extra day so they can have like a long proper festival. And uh, the response from people was, hey, I, I can't get. Friday off. <laughs> you should have. So you Friday, should, Friday you was made this a two-day festival. Friday was very quiet. I don't remember if, if Friday was was a quiet day, but I remember that uh, the overall feedback was, guys, let's maybe stick to a two-day festival. Uh, and, Let's uh, you know, and, and and the next year, sure enough, we, we went back for we went back to two days, and and and, and the fans all came back. Mm -hmm. I, I like that you do heavy en ville, which is a smaller show in a club with a, like a metal bands. I, I I like how you do that the week before heading up. Yeah, I'm not sure how that started, but I I think it may have been the Summer Slaughter tour that was coming in the city, and at, at that point we hadn't had them on the festival, and we still wanted to do an event, uh, uh, like a bigger event in the city, and uh, and, and we've been doing it ever since. It, it, it's, it, it's making the festival a three-day event without... You know, forcing fans is to be outside in the sun three days in a row. 
Um, I like the intimacy of doing something a bit more, uh, a bit smaller, a bit more special than before. Over the years, we had Summer Slaughter a couple times. Uh, we had Black Label Society doing an intimate show at Corona a few years back. We're not even sure and what the after shows too you guys do, which is cool. I think Cult of Luna pulled one off. A they few years sure ago. did. Like yeah. I, I love the guys from Cult of Luna. Their their manager is one of my best friends, and it, it's funny. Like when, when they came to play the festival two years ago, um, they they came in a few days in advance. I went to see Celine Dion with them. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and uh, they played the festival. Um, we had an after party with them. They played Astral like, like midnight or something, and. Uh, it was fantastic. I love that band so much. Same here. Same here. I'm, a, I'm hearing that there's new stuff coming. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear I, any of the songs? No, not yet. No, maybe maybe on the next run, though, because I have a friend who's in the, in the next Cryptopsy run. I have a, a friend who's involved with them. Nice. How did you feel when Slayer leaked the lineup this year? What's that? When Slayer leaked the lineup this year, the poster, what, what was the day like in the event co-office? I think we were all kind of running around going like, all right, our 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 strategy is is in the garbage. Like, how are we gonna do this? But like, we were we were about to announce a few days later. There was still a couple of tweaks. There was still a couple of bands that were not hundred percent confirmed on the lineup. So, oh really? At so that we, point, so too. we weren't completely ready. But we were like, all right, well, had it happened a month before, we would have freaked out. Like, I remember a few years back, there was a really big festival that got leaked by by one of the smaller bands that had received the poster to approve it, and then they just posted it. And, like, like, like a Lollapalooza-type festival got leaked a month before it was announced. But for us, I mean, it was kind of annoying because our marketing team had to scramble. All right, how are we going to do this now? But the, 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 the feedback was so good that we were like, all right, well, that's not really how we planned this, but the response is great. Wow, this beer looks amazing. Absolutely. Here, we just got served another delicious beer, the, another Berliner Weiss, but this time it's a coffee Berliner Weiss, 3%, and it's uh, served au Kirimaya, so it's been, it's like a nitro, almost, a, a creamer, a creamer. I'll smell, you can smell the coffee. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's uh, the coffee's uh, natural Ethiopian pilot coffee roasters. You know anything about coffee? A little bit. Yeah? Not, not enough. I know that I like it, and I know I like it strong. Nice. It's good. The color's nice. It's like a very light, uh, hayish color. It's got a nice uh, head on it because it's served with a creamer. Is it me or both Saison beers have that color? A lot of them do, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful beer. I find when you get like a, a beer that's colored like a bit like a lager, but it's really cloudy, it, it it's tends really to be a, a saison. Yeah, no. <laughs> it depends sometimes. You never know what you're going to get. It's beautiful. Beautiful. What's the worst beer you had on this podcast? Oof. I tend to only bring and taste good beers. Okay. With guests. My least favorite beer. Would maybe be from, it was my mistake, because I was interviewing Chris Kells from The Agonist, and I brought a, it was supposed to be a Pilsner, but it was a dark Pilsner, a Pilsner, 
from Mabarasri. It's a good beer, but it just wasn't what I was expecting. Okay. So if I had to pick the one that I enjoyed the least because it wasn't what I wanted at that moment, it would have to be that one. Okay. Yeah, so I liked how you guys handled the Slayer thing, your, your little comment. I hope uh, we're as excited as Slayer, but not as excited <laughs> as, Slay- uh, as excited as Slayer. Uh, I think it was, we hope that you're as excited as Slayer is yeah. for Heavy Montreal. It was smooth. It was good. Yeah, I, I think that, that may have been uh, Peter DeHaye's uh, idea. He's our marketing guru on, on the festival, and uh, yeah, it was it was it, it was kind of a weird news. And I, it happened on like four thirty in the, in the afternoon. It was a bit of a bummer, but you know, you, you have to roll with the punches. Shit, shit happens. Yeah, oh, you know, shit, shit happens indeed. Uh, what is a band that you you mentioned Clutch? But is there like a big mythical band that you've been hunting since the beginning that you haven't gotten to play for Heavy MTL? I think by now, like I've, I've been on, working on the festival for seven years, eight years now, and a, a lot of the bands like you know we were uh, we, we were trying to get the Despised Icon reunion for for a few years. Um, when that happened, when we finally got him, we were happy. Uh, we got Baroness on the festival last year. It's one of my favorite bands. I was so happy to have them. Um, who else? Um, I, I, I love Parkway Drive, but they're from Australia. And they, they used to... They used to do summers on the Warp Tour a lot, so we, we haven't been able to get them on the festival yet. Um, one of my favorite bands is Graveyard. I've always okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we actually have a show coming up with them in about a month, but I've always wanted to have them on the festival. I can't really think of anything else. It's cool. It's cool. How important is it for Heavy MTL to book local talent? Do you guys like always not save important it? at all? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't like save slots? We save we save slots every year. But no, I mean, we save a, a couple of slots, but we, we try to incorporate local bands throughout the process of booking the festival. I think the reason why our festival works well is because uh, metal music is a genre of music that's based on, on, on people uh, playing music in bands. And I think it's important, if, if you want to have a festival that's targeting metal music, it's important to, to have uh, uh, local people involved with the festival whether it's 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 on marketing or word of mouth but it's all it's it's also important to 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 include a bit of a taste of the city and every year on the festival we, we try to have a few um Establish local bands, but also have some bands, uh, some up-and-coming bands. And, and and over the years, we uh, like we had Burning the Oppressor on the festival last year. That's right. Yeah, and they were they were so giddy and they were so excited. They and and, and I remember having a long conversation with them at the festival after a few beers, probably. They're like, oh man, <laughs> this is this is so cool. This is the best day of our life. Thank you so much for doing this. And we're like. And I was looking at them as like, this is the reason why we're doing this. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're not we're not booking these festivals so that the, the, the newspapers write a big article about how amazing it was. We we book these festivals so that fans come see us and say, hey, thank you so much for booking Bonavis Iris or or local bands coming say, I'm so proud to be in Montreal or this festival has been so much fun and all my friends were here and I got to play. I got to play with with Emperor, and I got to pl- play in front of all my friends and family, and I had the best day of my life. And you're like creating ambassadors for your brand, almost too. People that will talk about it positively and sell it, and 
you know, encourage others to come in the future, and they'll probably come back for sure, too. I don't think a festival or, or anything that involves a lot of people can survive unless everybody kind of becomes an ambassador saying, hey, this is my city, this is my town, this is my pride, this is my festival, and I want to tell the whole world about it. I think it's important for for, for, for people to be proud of the things that, that exist around them. There wasn't always a metal festival in Montreal. There's, there, there isn't a, 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 a big metal festival in every city in the world, and I think as Montrealers, it's important to... Uh, to to be proud of of what we have to support what we have and we always like to have uh, people's feedback because it helps us make the the festival uh, better but it's also important for us to uh, to, to kind of get the feeling that, that that we're doing this for people that are that are enjoying it and that that feel I feel pride and have Like, like we, we see people every once in a while with heavy Montreal tattoos mm-hmm. or, oh, or, he, or heavy Montreal or heavy MTL and <laughs> it's always it's always cool to say man this guy is so is so passionate about this festival that he, that, that he got it tattooed that's insane yeah comments suggestions for heavy MTL thank you beer at heavy MTL yeah will there still be a craft beer tent at heavy MTL by Trudeau Diable oh hell yeah okay. uh, it's been I think it's been three years by now that we have uh, we're trying to create especially around the smaller stage on both 77 and heavy we try to create a little village um, with really good food with really good beer and one of the reasons why I thought last year's festival was my favorite is because that area with the smaller stage with the microbreweries was definitely the, the cool place to be and, and, and there's I think we had like 16 different kinds of uh, microbrewery at the festival so it was nice to 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 present a, a selection to to people like you and me that are fans of uh of uh, good brews what are some of the limitations of having the craft beers available at all of the kiosks where they sell beer one of the limitation of, of having a big international size festival uh, in, in in a city that's 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 still kind of small like montreal is that We need to have all the help that we can uh, uh, for uh, financially, so that we can keep the festival viable. And 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 one of the ways that we have to do that is 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 through beer sponsors. So um, thank you very much to Black Label, <laughs> uh, the sponsor on on Heavy Montreal this year again. Um, there's people that that believe in what we do, that enjoy the festival, and that are putting money on the table to say, hey, we want to be involved with with, with the festival. So, so it's important that we uh, that we give people that are supporting us uh, some good visibility because they're helping us out and they're helping us keep this festival alive. That's true. So I'll, I'll still have to take a walk to get my beer at the small tent. You know, there's a beer for every occasion. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to go true. ahead and, and, and say thank you to uh, the main sponsor of the 77 Festival, Course Light. <laughs> and I'm going to go on record and say that the best beer I've had in my life was about 10 years ago. I was at a golf tournament with my brother. I say hi to Jean-Pierre. Um, It was like a, a golf tournament for a foundation, and I, I played golfing like twice a year. My brother was like, hey, come play with me. We'll spend some, some uh, quality time together. And after the ninth hole, there was a tent with, with people that had like a, like a big bucket as big as a, a bathtub 
with some ice cold course light with like lots of ice and it was so hot on that day and i had a sip of that course light and it was the best beer i've had in my life <laughs> so there's a beer for every moment and it's cool that at heavy we're able to have different kinds of beers in in in, in different kind of areas i i love the beer that we're having right now i would not drink nine of them have you ever considered making an exclusive craft beer for heavy such as pizza fested yeah we're, we're we're talking to people i don't know if it's going to happen this year or uh or, or next year but uh you know we're all music and beer nerds we we, we would love the idea to uh to make this happen like we're not the brewers and we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to push our ideas on anybody but if there's a brewery out there that wants to do a, a beer for for heavy montreal we'd love to do it i i love when whenever there's a brewery that comes up with a like like the Motorhead beers or the yeah yeah the, yeah the Megadeth beer I put them on and that kind of stuff I I think like s- small projects like that it it kind of it it kind of adds to to the mystical of the of the scene and say oh this 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 band got their own beer they didn't what's the band what's the Montreal band that got their own beer made a couple of years back oh there's many the Voivod has one uh, oh really Gorguts just did one. Yeah, no way. Yeah. Oh, I think it was the the Cataclysm beer that I saw. Yes, they they, they had one I as well. But I had no idea yeah. that Voivod and La Tabarnak or something. They had, it's yeah. something something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Voivod used had one uh, made from Hoffenstark and uh, Gorgas from Moulin Sept. To, what to, kind of beer is the? Uh, I bet that the Gorgas one is a quite a special beer. It's uh, called Obscure IPA. Did, so it's did a black Lyric IPA. design the beer? I wouldn't uh, be surprised if he did. Yeah, <laughs> I love that guy so yeah. much. Such a great character. He's the best. Uh, what are What are your thoughts about Montebello Rock? I don't know what it is yet. The the the, the festival announced they were coming back. I know there's a lot of people that are excited about 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 the festival. I think f- for a certain era, it was the rite of passage to go to go to Montebello and 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 camp for a few days and. Go to the grocery store and there's and, nothing there and, and, and <laughs> empty the fridge. Yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll just lay down for. A, we're talking about because Montebello Rock Fest, which is a huge festival up in Quebec, went bankrupt and is defunct, from what I understood. And then a, a week ago or a week and a half ago, there was an announcement made that it's coming back, but labeled as Montebello Rock. So it was like a three-day camping experience, and the tiny town of Montebello for many years could not handle the onslaught of people that would come to this festival and. The ATMs were empty. All the water bottles were gone. All the food was gone. People park on people's lawns. People camp everywhere. It, it's a it's a festival which I I've played twice, but I would absolutely never go to. <laughs> I mean, I I've been to the festival a few times. Um, I I camped there once. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, the I think my. It was it was in in, in 2011. Okay. I, I went yeah. there with Dave, and we went to Canyon Tire. We, we bought a tent and we camped at the festival. And I uh, I, I haven't done much camping since, <laughs> but um, you know it, it it was a special moment in time. I don't think that 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 kind of I I, I don't. 
I don't know when's the next time that something like this will happen. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be in Montebello. Maybe someone in in Saguenay is going to create something fantastic next year. But in the meantime, um, there's no camping allowed in Montreal, so I don't think that this is something that's going to happen. That's one of the reasons why there's no camping yeah, at Heavy MTL. There's no uh, there's no space either. I, I I don't think it's a space thing. I think it's a uh, legally speaking, I don't think it's possible to have a uh, a campground fest, a music festival in Montreal. If there was, we'd, we'd probably give it a shot. Like there's technically enough room in the area that we could that we could have a, uh, a that'd be extra a, a camping stuff. What I said that would be extra wild. Yeah, and and I mean, it's been done. I don't know if we need to. I think that. Heavy Montreal is, is a different kind of festival where which we kind of we, we put the efforts uh, towards getting like like the best sound systems and and and, and the best setup to give the fans the best uh, the best experience at the festival. And Rockfest did something else back in the days, and I, a lot of people went, including myself. And I I I, I saw the the last No Use for a Name show. At Rockfest, and uh, and and to this day, it's it, it's a show that I really enjoy. The uh, the singer passed away a few a few months after, and I got to see one of my favorite band play their last show there. Was it easier to book bands this year now that there was no competition? Because a lot of the times when there's two festivals in the same radius, there's like radius clauses that you can't play both festivals. Let's say. I'm gonna say this. Yes, <laughs> of course. Um, in in any any market where there's a lot of, of competition, um, it, it's harder to book bands, and and bands are more expensive. Um, I think competition is good; it's, it's important. But in in the in the sense of, of having summer festivals with you know uh, hard rock, punk, and metal music. Um, when there's when there's several festivals and uh, there still are a lot of festivals around the province festivals like Rock Lacos in Victoriaville who's doing some some really cool stuff these days um, there's still many festivals that book uh, punk and metal bands but I have to say that I, I, uh, it's been easier this year to, to book bands it's there more bands were available and at a price that was a bit more reasonable and the way that I see it when when we're able to afford bands at a reasonable price it allows us to keep the ticket price reasonable absolutely and and give the fans a better quality lineup uh, for their buck and I think that's important absolutely what would be some uh, advice that you can give someone who's thinking of starting a music festival do it yeah um, but I think the the best word in, in show business is baby step uh, if, if you if you want to uh, if you want to do something do it for the right reasons and do it at your own pace and and don't do it to uh, to prove people that you can and don't do it just because you know, do it because you like music. Do it because you like the bands. I booked a, a festival with 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 Boucher ten years ago called Extensive Fest, where we essentially had twelve bands combined, and 
we sold like a thousand tickets for that. It, it was at uh, La Tulip uh, and Lesk and Lenko on uh, on Papineau. And it was fun. It was a big clusterfuck. It was. You had it, two venues rolling. Yeah, it was two. Oh, that's two, cool. Two venues. It, it, it didn't work well at all. It was. It, well, no, it, it was sold out. But production-wise, it was a nightmare. But but it was cool. We 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 did, we did something fun with a bunch of bands that we liked. The Acacia's Train played there. It was a band that that we loved working with. And uh, I see I see people. Uh, booking really cool festivals around the province where they, they book bands that they like and sometimes they'll, they'll get like a like like a bigger band like Comeback Kid or Despised Icon and uh, Obey the Brave and they'll be super happy and they'll they'll build something fun uh, with their friends and I I find that sometimes people are just trying to build a festival uh, without understanding how how like what's the what's the right way to do it and I, and I'm not pointing any festival in particular I know that for the last few years there's been more and more festivals uh, coming at all over the place and we got we got to work with many of them and and, and there's some really nice people out there that that, that really want to create a big happening and do something fun and that's how I felt when I when I joined the Evenco team I, w- I wanted to work on on on, 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 on 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 festival with a lot of bands and and b- and build fun stuff but baby step is, is the right way to do it you know you get build a really build a reputation make sure that you know what you're doing it's very very wise advice sage advice uh, what steps do I have to take? To be get a press pass and bring Vox and Hops to Heavy MTL this summer. Um, I'll get you the right contact. I I, I I like what you do. I think it's important that you can make it to the festival. Um, and I think you know a beer and metal. What a beautiful uh, what, what a be- what a beautiful mixture. And I think it's it's important that you uh, that you that you meet people and 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 and, and share their inter- share your interests of, of of beers, especially Montreal beers. There's such a, there's such an amazing breweries in, in the city these days. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm glad that we hooked up. I appreciate you taking the time. I have one last question. That I thought of as I was coming here, thinking about the Emperor, the Rain, if you had to cancel. I played a festival in Germany called With Full Force, and there was a crazy, crazy storm that day. The festival was shut down. All the fans had to go back to their tents. We all got paid. How does that work out? Do you guys have like insurances? Is that ever something that you guys have, you have to consider might happen, like an act of God clause? Um... It never happened to us, so I'm gonna knock on wood and 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 hope that it. <laughs> if it happens, you're gonna call me. I hope it doesn't happen uh, this year. But um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's insurance that covers that. You know, there's uh, there's insurances that cover s- some things. Uh, that's that's why it's really that's why contracts yeah. are, are so important when when you put together an event. You, you have to be able to. To see the best and the worst case scenario, and Absolutely. be ready for, for whatever happened. But that that goes the same way. If, if you get a loan at the bank to buy a car, do you, do you know what happens if you if you, if you get into a car accident? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
but we always hope it doesn't happen. Obviously, if uh, if we get in a situation and we have to cancel the festival, or, um, you know, there's, there's there's certain things that we can do to uh, 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 try to uh, save some stuff to, to to make sure that we don't uh, we, just, we we don't just have to kill a festival. But uh, huh. do you want to add anything? Anything you want to shout out? Aside from your 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 best worst beer, Coors Light. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'd like to give a shout out to to, to the festival this summer. Uh, we've been uh, tickets are, are available at heavymontreal.com. We have a great lineup that I'm really proud of. We we haven't had a chance to talk much about the lineup, but <laughs> I, I'm sure that you listener have the internet and there, there's some great bands on it, such as uh, a little band called Slayer. Yeah, Slayer's last Quebec show. That's pretty huge. Absolutely. We're really happy about that. And another tiny, newer tiny little band called Ghost. I have a cheat sheet. Can I pull it out? That would help me too. If I I may mention a few bands playing on on, on the festival this summer, we have uh, Ghost, Quiet Riot, Hate Breed, Cataclysm, Municipal Waste, performing the album The Art of Partying. Watain is doing their first presence at the festival. Metal Church, All That Remains. Uh, Despised Icon with the 10th anniversary of their... Day of Mourning. Day of Mourning record. Um, Slayer slash Anthrax. Clutch. Gamma Ray for the fans yeah, of yeah. Uh, the metal with the, the boys power that metal. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, Beast in Black's first North American show. Uh, Fu Manchu for the guys that like to smoke Mary Jane when they uh, <laughs> listen to music. And my personal favorite, a uh, band called Skalmold, coming from Iceland. It's a band that I discovered about uh, a year ago. Um, I saw them play in Iceland with a choir of 100 singers and wow. the, the symphonic orchestra or of uh, the country. And this band is amazing. If you've never heard of Skalmold, go check them out. I will. They are very good. Awesome. Well, thank you, JF. I really appreciate you uh, coming and drinking some beer with me at my favorite bar, Brasserie Harry Canna. This is your favorite bar? One of my favorite brew pubs, for sure. This yeah. bar is great. Yeah. It's got woods. It's it's pink. Yeah. I love it. The All of the stuff, uh, most of the stuff that's here, the owner of the pub, uh, his parents had a restaurant or a resto pub in Alma, Quebec, and a lot of this stuff is from that. Brasserie Harry Canna. That's right. <laughs> Let me know next time you come. I, I live two blocks away. I'll come Awesome, say hi. awesome. Cheers. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening right to the end. Uh, There was a lot of background noise in that episode. I apologize for that. We were sitting in the pub and it just kept filling up and the music kept getting louder. I was worried as I was recording it and the content was so interesting. I didn't want to interrupt him to change anything. So uh, I just went with it. It is what it is. Um, uh, I'm I'm doing my best always to make uh, the podcast sound better. I'm working on things on the sides. So uh, I hope that you guys didn't mind that too much. Uh, as I mentioned, next week, Hell Over North America starts. Aborted, Cryptopsy, Hideous Divinity, and Benighted are out on the road, tearing apart the United States and a little bit of Canada. Get your tickets. It's going to be in the description link. Right after that, I come home for about a week and a half, and then I fly over to Europe, and we're going into a whole Euro run there, where it's going to be Cryptopsy, Ingested, Glory Hole Guillotine, Insight, Night Rage, and Demonicle. So you've got to check this out. This is uh, this whole thing starts off where it's just Cryptopsy alone playing uh, the Netherlands Death Fest at the O13 in Tilburg. 
in the Netherlands. I love this venue. It's uh, they used to have the Netherlands Death Fest back in the day, and uh, did I remember my first time I played that in 2008? I was so nervous. Uh, Behemoth had played that day, and uh, it was it was just such such a great night. I was super nervous. So I'm, I'm excited to get back there, get on that stage again, and. Uh, do everyone proud and do myself proud here in 2019 in Tilburg. Best part of Tilburg is going to the Little Devil afterwards. You go there, they have a whole bunch of great craft beers. And even better than craft beers, they have a whole bunch of sick whiskeys. And it's always, always an after party there. So I'm looking forward to hitting that up. On that tour as well, it'll be my first time in Sweden. Um, Cryptopsy has toured uh, Scandinavia before, but I have never been a part of it. I joined the band in 2007 and they had only toured it, I think, about two years before that without me with Lord Worm. So uh, I'm excited to make my first appearance in Sweden and uh, it will be the first club show in Norway because we played Blastfest in Bergen, but now we're going to play Oslo in a tiny little bar club, which I've heard is in the cool, uh, trendy part of the city, so I'm hoping to find some good beer there. After that, I come home and then I'm going to hit Asia. I'm going to Asia in July, a first uh, major Asian tour for Cryptopsy, uh, so keep your eyes peeled for more details about that. And next week on the podcast, I am with uh, Branislav Panic. He uh, is the guitarist singer of the band from Serbia called Bane. So I had the opportunity to sit down with him at a local brew pub here. Check all that out when we talk about some of the complications of growing up in Serbia, being a metalhead, trying to find music, getting access to music, and then taking the next step where you decide that you want to start a band, finding bandmates, getting equipment, uh, booking your own tours, and then eventually moving over here to Montreal, which is where he's now located. And uh, we talk about all that. He's got a tour coming up. So check that all out next week on Vox and Hops, episode number 25. Just want to say a big thank you to all of you who are listening to the podcast. I'm always touched and uh, greatly appreciative of all your kind words, your messages. If you want to take it one step further and you like this episode, if you liked any other episodes, please go and rate it five stars. It will be easier for other people to find the podcast. And if you hear of people asking uh, for some suggestions for what podcasts to listen, then please, please shoot Vox and Hops their way. I will greatly appreciate that. So uh, have yourself a great week. Um, Hang out with your family. I know I'm going to. I'm uh, leaving on tour next week. So uh, I'm trying to get all of my family time in as much as I can because I'm going to miss everyone dearly on this upcoming run. But it comes with the job. So hang out with your family. Hang out with your friends. Hang out with your loved ones. And drink, drink lots of great, great craft brews. Have a great week. Cheers, Vox and Hopsheads. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>